1: just go to cars.com
0: it's magical hello
1: everyone it is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you once again for another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark the Mavs are now 5 and 4 after defeating the Orlando Magic at home 112 to 98 Josh how's it going
2: it is going pretty well and I think I said in Slack as we were watching this and I think the Metrics got off to a little like a little bit of a sluggish start like in the first like minute or two <laughs> yeah. and I think I was like, you know, they're missing three starters and they're six man basically. Um, you know, one of their first guys off the bench. So really at this point with the team, any win is a good win even if it looks like garbage. But what turned out to be really nice about this game is it didn't look like garbage. They looked really good. Like This is, this is a really good win to feel good about, even if Orlando's uh, roster is a disaster. Well, let's,
1: let's talk about that real quick before we yeah. get into the game itself. Part of the reason why we were concerned coming into the game is the Mavericks were now missing for at least the next probably two games, potentially more depending on who and what occurs uh, due to the COVID-19 protocol and you know we don't really know much more than that three mavericks players are sitting out dorian finney smith jalen brunson and who's the last one richardson yeah gosh josh richardson (laughs) uh and so it was it was looking you know we we were so excited after the denver win and then this happens and you know it's three of their top you know essentially seven rotation guys and the the magic are, are are dealing with the loss of uh of their point guard who had an ACL tear um, and so in Markel Fultz. And so it was, you know, looking like this, this could be kind of a trap game for Dallas. And instead what happened was the Michigan backcourt as, you know, somehow I just learned this tonight and it's just me not paying <laughs> attention despite not, you know, putting the, the numbers together. And Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway combined to shoot, 15 of 23 from three-point range and just helped absolutely bury the magic. The Mavericks shot 50% from distance, 20 of 40 compared to 6 of 31. I can't (laughs) even do the math in my head. That's plus 14 three-pointers. So three times 14 is, that's plus 42 on three-point shots. And the Mavericks just, like, they just they they didn't really play that like that complete of a game uh it was just you know specific spurts uh to end the second quarter and then to end the third quarter that really just put the magic away and it was an interesting game there's lots of things we could talk about where do you want to start
2: yeah i guess we have to start with burke and Hart and hardaway i mean uh, they i mean it's crazy to think like how much of the offense i'm looking at the box score it's just I was thinking, I was like, man, the Mavericks haven't really got, you know, it's Hardaway and Burke, and I couldn't, you know, Luca got 20, but he didn't really have a good shooting game. Right. I mean, they had one, two, three, they had four players score in double figures, and you just look up and down the the lineup, and it's like they had two starters. The other starters, besides Hardaway and Doncic, combined for 11 points, um, they had 32 minutes of Wessu who played a great game, but he scored zero points in those 32 <laughs> minutes. Like, it's really a wild-looking box score, and it really goes to show how much those two guys kind of carried the team out of it, because you were right. Uh, that third-quarter run really got them into it, the end of the second quarter as well. And um, the, before that third-quarter run, they looked ragged they were not making any shots as evidenced by what we just talked about how not really anyone else on the team scored and then Hardaway just went insane I think he scored 16 points in the third quarter Uh, just a massive effort and Matt and Dallas only outscored Orlando 29 to 25 in the third quarter so think about how you know they're only plus four in that quarter and Hardaway scores 16 points or something like he really willed them uh, to get that game under control for them and then Burke just well, he kind of came out of nowhere. I think he he was scuffling a little bit before he missed that Denver game with illness. He really hadn't been shooting the ball well, and he looked like he did in that Houston game in the bubble. Just crazy. 11-13, 7-8 from three. That was uh, that was wild. What was crazier was he wasn't hitting a lot of tough shots. The Magic could not find him. No. That was wild. No. I can't uh, even believe how many open looks he got.
1: Well, there, there there's two things about that that you hit on that I want to talk about. First of all, and we should return to this later, the Magic really tried doubling Luka high, and it mm-hmm. did not work. <laughs> did not work at all. The second is that, that Burke had eight made threes in the season and had seven tonight. <laughs> um, and that's just something that I, I kind of want to hang out with. It's, it's really interesting. I don't like the Burke-Brunson matchups. Everybody who has listened to me and followed me on social media, I think Burke and Brunson duplicate way too much. And as a result, neither is that fun to watch. Uh, and 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 honestly, I think that that the the if the defense doesn't suffer, the offense it, it certainly is is a little. They just they, neither really does much if they don't have the ball. So it's kind of like I don't understand what the Mavericks were going for in having both of them. And you know maybe it's the the you know the COVID type stuff. So it's. You just kind of want to hope to have redundancy on the roster. It really worked out for the Mavericks tonight, but I don't know. It's it's just one of these things that I'm, I'm I'm going to be thinking about in the games without Brunson because as much as I don't care for Brunson, I'm not this stupid. He's actually effective, but it feels like when I watch Burke play, and this goes back to the bubble, the Mavs just move a little bit faster because Brunson plays like Luka Jr., but not quite as good, and it just doesn't really work for, for me. And I think it's a lot. I think it's fairly predictable. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens over the next two to three games while Brunson remains out as he, you know, goes through whatever COVID protocol is related. Um, I, I just don't know what to do with that because it, it's it's this is, you know, when he, when a guy shoots 11 from 13, you have to do something with it. But it could just be a hot game, you know.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I think the biggest thing is that when you're thinking about Burke and you think about Brunson and they are very similar, uh, Burke has proven, uh, over the course of his career, like he is a more effective spot up player just from the fact that I think he's a more reliable three-point shooter. Uh, I think Brunson hasn't really shown, he's not an awful three-point shooter, but I I mean, he's been hovering around 35% for his short career. And I know Burke Burke's percentage isn't that much higher, but Burke I think shoots shoots a little bit more and is a little bit more comfortable getting them off like Brunson really likes to get the ball instead of shooting a spot up three he'll kind of dribble around or dribble into near the free throw line, which is fine like that's his game, but when you have both of them on the floor at the same time or if you're trying to play one with Luca um that you know if you're if you're looking at two similar score first point guards. And one of them has the edge in spot up shooting. You know, with this the way this roster is constructed, you probably want to play the one that that has better spot up numbers a little bit more because you know you've got Luca and you've got a guy that creates three point shots better than basically everyone, almost everyone else in the league. So, I think that's what I think that goes into it when you're watching these two and you seem to favor Burke because I think he's just a much more proven shooter and obviously. <laughs> He proved that in a big way, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see it, how much the seven of eight inflates his numbers for like the next two weeks. So yeah. For, oh yeah. It's, it's so early.
1: When yeah. a guy only takes, yeah. When a guy takes like two, three point shots in a game, a game like tonight can just, can just completely screw with the numbers. The, you know, it, it's, gosh, it's so funny. There's, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. These, those were kind of the highlights, you know, Luca had a, a triple double, but he did not play a particularly efficient basketball. He could not get a foul to save his life. He only shot three free throws. There were a lot of non-calls that he got persnickety about. Uh, but you know, the Mavericks were other Mavericks were hitting shots, so I think he just decided it wasn't his hill to die on. Uh there are two, you know, the the Mavericks stayed with kind of their big starting lineup, and then they replaced Josh Green. I want to circle back to Josh Green, but for a second, I'd like to talk about Willie Collie Stein, who had He had six points and six rebounds and two assists. And against the Magic, it was a very indicative game of what I will refer to as the Willie Cauley-Stein problem in that the guy just in his career, his lengthy career by now, because this is, you know, fifth or sixth season, he's not shown the ability to bring it night in and night out. I just... I understand why fans climb for him. I was super excited with how how I mean he played uh, Jokic amazingly. Uh, the last seven minutes of that that game last game he was really incredible, just stonewalled Jokic. And against the the you know the Magic tonight he just kind of floated. And I don't know. It's it's we're just trying to buy time until until yes. uh, KP comes <laughs> back, but. It's it's still just – this is why. This is why people get frustrated because he's so much more talented and so much more athletic than Dwight Powell. But I just – I see why why Carlisle constantly goes back to Powell because you watch Willie Cauley-Stein make mistakes that should not happen for a person of his athleticism and ability.
2: Yeah, I think um, the play that kind of summed it up for me was he – Boy, he really let his rookie down, Josh Green, on that alley oop play in the first half. Green oh, yeah. threw uh, maybe as good a pass as Luca could have thrown. Maybe not even Luca could have thrown a better one. And Willie missed it. And I've noticed he doesn't seem to—he's not a good dunker. Like uh, he doesn't seem to finish well near the no, basket he's got, unless he has he's no touch. yeah, unless he's by himself um, or he gets a good you know rim roll. But if he has to, if there's someone kind of in the way. In between him and the basket, it just doesn't seem to work out for him. And that alley oop was just man, like I don't even know, I don't even know how he missed it. It's like he didn't jump high enough or something. Like, yeah. it was really, it was really weird because like it was, it was so weird that I think we had to wait for the replay to look at it because we're like, oh, that must have been a. That must have been a terrible pass. And then they kind of showed the slow mo replay, and it's like, holy crap! He put it right in front of the rim for him. Like he put it right on, he put it right on the money, and he missed it. I don't want to harp on just one play, but no. that just kind of feels like it's indicative of of kind of what makes him such a frustrating player to watch. And then, even, all that being said, and you talk about, you know, I know pal, you, you were not happy with the pal game tonight. It's almost like they have no choice; they kind of just no. have to roll out there because he's clearly just by the virtue of his athleticism and his and his height and his length he's just better by default as Powell uh, just doesn't look like the same guy anymore so they kind of no. just, like you said they kind of have to run out the clock so well, christophs comes back
1: for some reason carl won't play james johnson at the five which is a position Carlisle or not Carlisle the the timberwolves played johnson at quite a bit last season and i you know that's kind of a discussion for another day but you know it, it is what it is but you know you, you just you, you talked about josh green a second ago I think we have to kind of talk about Josh Green. It's only one game. He's not played a ton of minutes. This should have been his opportunity to do something. And in 15 minutes, he was 0 for 1 with two rebounds. He was a negative six, plus minus. I was, you know, I didn't really keep a great look at the first half because I was eating dinner. He runs really hard. But for the guy who is billed as, you know, top-notch defender I've seen him bite on pump fakes all the time I I'm I will simply say that through nine games I am dreadfully unimpressed with Josh Green and obviously there there's still plenty of time to make that up but you know when a guy taken after him and and Tyrese Maxey went for 39 points tonight I'm sitting here looking at what the Mavericks are doing with some of these choices because if you're not going to put the rookie in a position to succeed, or if you're not going to, you know, Carl pulled green after that damn missed dunk in, yeah, I don't, you know, that I, I said his it, fault. he's gone. He's gone because he threw the pass. It wasn't his fault, but you know, that's how Carl treats these guys. He lets, he lets his favorites, you know, get away with bloody murder for as long as they, you know, play. But if, if you get in Carl's doghouse once you're done and, you know, One Wundu ended up playing a ton, and he had an okay game. But One Wundu, I, I described him as Wesley Matthews, you know, ran through a fax machine six times. Like, I'm just not interested in seeing Wessel Wundu play right now. If there's an opportunity to develop green, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah,
2: and I, I think the thing with green is, like, it's all, it just feels inevitable and with the way – uh, people talked about him coming out of the draft it just he always felt like he was going to be like year two year three before we see okay. what he can do like and i'm not like i you know me and you are not the, the primo draft experts and i won't tell you i watched a ton of josh green footage so i don't want to speak out my ass but just you know talking yeah. to our draft experts and and what other people are saying it always felt like he was going to be a year away or if he wasn't a year away he needed to play a lot this year just because he just seems like a kind of guy that needs to get a lot of minutes and 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 just kind of work his way through because he's not, you know, he's you know, Maxie is a who had a great game with Philly today. Like he's he's a ball hander scorer. Like that's his thing. Like he's gonna get the ball. He's gonna get touches. He's gonna get involved. Green is a off-ball defender, spot up guy. Like if he's not getting touches or if he's not getting open looks and if the ball doesn't the ball doesn't naturally come to him let's just say it that way so you would like to see him maybe force the effort because you know him and green w- one and green both did not score and both m- missed all their shots but it's obvious a one do you know because he just forces the issue on the defensive end but a one also in his fourth season so it, it just feels like green is going to be one of those guys that's just going to be a little bit of a late bloomer just from the fact that we know how Rick operates, and we see how this roster's laid out, and we know what kind of prospect Green is. It just always seemed like a year, two, year three move will will be him. Like will be when he's good. Maybe I don't. I don't know. It's only a couple games, so maybe something else happens and he gets more minutes. And and who knows? Yeah. Maybe by the end of the season he looks good.
0: But sure. you're right.
2: Like it. But you know, you can't. We can't just lie about what we're seeing in these first couple games. Like he's just been a non-factor. That doesn't mean we yeah. think he stinks or that he's not going to be good. By the end of the season, or by next season, or whenever, it's just that's just the simple truth. And I think it's pretty evident. I, I would not be shocked if a one do is a starter for the next game while the rest, while Finney Smith and Richardson are still in the in the COVID protocols. And I and I'll I won't harp on a one a lot because I know, like you said, he's somewhat he's kind of just a guy and he's in his fourth year. He's a and he great guy, he's not six one. Yeah. he's not
1: JJ Barea. So, yeah. like, you know, he was playing hard, he was doing some stuff. I don't mean necessarily about him being bad in so much as I don't. I, if, if playing with Luca has to be challenging for anybody because when a guy has the ball that much and if your responsibility on the offense is to stand until the right moment, knowing when the right moment is is hard. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, that just takes reps. And I'm pretty sure this was the first time he's played with Luca in an actual game. And, and, you know, starting him and putting him out there does him a little bit of a disservice, frankly. And, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's very frustrating for me because, you know, the Mavericks people themselves are like, oh, well, Rick Carl has this, has this unfair, unfair, you know, reputation about rookies. And it's like, does he, is it that unfair? I don't think it's that unfair. I've watched enough basketball with Rick since 2008. To see to think this is how it would be and and i don't know i i get a little frustrated about this sort of stuff because you know you, you look around the league you look at it that's what
2: hurts that's that's what hurts you know
1: i, I get told and i was told by mavericks people oh, you know at this point in the draft it's all just a crap shoot understanding that from a big picture that that is true when you watch and look around at what we're seeing at the people that we were interested in i didn't even want see Sadiq bay but the guy's putting up numbers he's doing stuff i you know it's 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 just frustrating it's it's granted the mavericks are are are, are winning so it's frustrating in a very like micro sense it's something i i don't like being told that i'm wrong only to watch and say was i wrong I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I
2: think it's the other the other guy. I think that's like if Green was doing this, but the guys that drafted around him were also not doing much. I think we'd be right. like shrugging our shoulders. But right, Sadiq Bey's doing stuff. Max, uh, Maxi just dropped 39 points. Uh, Desmond Bained is making all of his three pointers, seemingly for Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a starter for Memphis. So, uh, yeah, that's that's tough. And I know those are. I, I know Maxi and, and Bain were obviously two guys that our staff really liked. Uh, Poku, yeah. Poku with Oklahoma City is wild ass right now
1: for them. Oh, yeah, but no, it's great. It's like watching yeah. rookie year Dirk when he was just doing like when when uh, Donnie Nelson was, uh, or I'm sorry, when Don Nelson was putting him at like the three. Just yeah. like like all sorts of wild crap, just to like see what would happen. I don't know. Like harping about a rookie seems like missing the point for a team that has for a team that has you know potential title aspirations. But I, I I will say that the simple fact of of why we're talking about this leads me to say that that the Mavericks are hoping and just doing their best to get back to to when Porzingis is able to play. You know, at least three out of every four games. And if they can get to that point, and if they're playing around five hundred basketball, I think we should all be, you know, pretty excited. If you're looking at at the way that the the standings are shaking out, everybody's still pretty tightly clumped together through ten games. Uh, you know, the Suns are are looking pretty good, and the Lakers are looking pretty good, but it's a long, compact season, and so there's still a lot that can happen. And so if Porzingis doesn't come back until. I don't think he comes back until the Charlotte game. I don't think they want him banging against um against New Orleans next week. Then, you know, it's it's all for the better. If if they lose to New Orleans, it's 5 and 5 and then Porzingis comes back and it's a brand new season, right? Like this is you just you know, we got the Mavericks just kind of got to survive.
2: Yeah, that's why like I mean the fact that they won by 14 against the Magic team I know that they're decimated, but the hell they were what six and three coming into this game, so they're still pretty feisty. And Steve Clifford's a good coach, and he gets guys yeah. to play hard. So it, this wasn't necessarily a gimme. And they so considering all the all the players the Mavericks are losing as well right now. I mean, they're down their two best perimeter defenders, uh, and that, that's big with Finney Smith and Richardson. I know Richardson's been off to a weird start shooting ball, shooting the ball, but I think his defense has been pretty good. So. And the fact that they won without Luca like going crazy, like I was almost going to put this in our Slack and look it up because there was like four minutes left and the Mavericks were up like 12 or 14, four minutes left and Luca had 16 points. And I was like, man, I don't, I need to research like how many times have the Mavericks since Luca has been drafted won by double digits and Luca didn't score 20. Like that's gotta be a microscopic number since his rookie season. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll just take it. Like you, you take every win right now and you just take it and you, you you're thankful for it and you don't complain about it really. And then you kind of go on with your way. Cause uh, their, their roster is pretty decimated, but Kirk, you need to take a bow for the piece that you wrote before the preseason about how every roster spot oh, yeah. mattered. And Hey, what's to one do the guy that some people were telling me that like they should cut JJ Barea for, and it wouldn't be a big deal. <laughs> 30 minutes plus 17 and a 14 point win.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're going to continue to see that. Cause I was just looking at the roster and I'm sitting here thinking, what is it going to take for Tyler Bay to get on, on board? Uh, because he's, he's, you know, he's like a re- uh, for some reason he was, people were calling him a a wing. Tyler Bay is a four slash five man from what he's played in college. He's not a wing. Now he might be a wing when, with, and, and so it's like with, with these sorts of things, I'm wondering what it's going to take for him to get on the floor. And you know, and I'm just looking at the guys that didn't get minutes tonight, and it's, it's, I'm not cringing if, if anybody else comes in. I mean, I cringe when Dwight Powell goes in for like pre existing condition reasons, not because I'm, you know, wondering what's going to happen. It's, it's going to be something to see. Like, this is obviously, you don't want anybody to come down with, with COVID or even have to deal with the contact tracing. But if there is a time for this to happen, it is early in the season while the Mavericks can are still figuring things out, um, it, you know, before they develop kind of a team rhythm. This is this is something because this is probably it's it's probably, you know, statistically speaking, it's not going to be the last time the Mavericks have to deal with this this year.
2: Right. You're right. So they got to so, be ready. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if those three guys that didn't play tonight get some minutes. And There's going to be a point this season where someone's got contact tracing, some couple of guys got bad ankles or a bad hamstring, and it's probably just going to happen. So yeah.
1: everyone has austerity. Well, it's going to be an interesting game next because they play the New Orleans Pelicans, I'm pretty sure. I don't have the schedule up, but I'm almost positive here. And the Pelicans are giving up an unbelievable number of three-pointers and are guarding the rim like it's their life. So this is going to be... That game, just think ahead about this, everybody. That game is is either going to be un, like like the Mavericks are going to run them off the floor, or <laughs> they're going to get the absolute shit kicked out of them. There is really, to me, there's really no in between for this because the Pelicans are are a odd basketball team at the moment, as as far as I can tell.
2: Yeah, especially if Kristaps comes back, that's going to make things very tough on them with Zion and Steven Adams uh those guys yeah you know, i mean i know zion can get out to the three-point line but it's, it's very obvious that they want to stick those guys close to the pain as possible yeah well
1: as always thank you for uh tuning in to listen to us we've had uh you know kind of a, a an uptick lately in our in our listenership so if uh you know you're one of the many new people who has tuned in we appreciate you uh You know, following along, please find us and subscribe on Mav's uh, Moneyball, wherever you get your podcasts. This has been uh, Josh and Kirk, and we will talk to you in a couple of days.
2: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.